Let us pray. O oh God, startle us with your truth and open us to the wonders of your word. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be acceptable in your sight. For you, O oh Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. One thing religion is supposed to do is to remind us of things that are most important. Life is complicated and it's easy to get distracted and to lose sight of our priorities. And religion is supposed to remind us. Pastors get an extra dose of these reminders because of the things that all of you say to us. Especially when someone is gravely ill or when a loved one has died and we visit. People say things to us about what is most important and about how they spent their time. I wish I had spent more time with my parents, they say, or with my children. I wish I had traveled more. I wish I had been more forgiving or more willing to say I was sorry. Of course, people talk about the opposite, too. There are things people spend a whole lot of time doing only to wish they could get that time back for something else. No one ever tells us they wish they'd spent more time at the office or more time shopping. I've yet to have anyone ever say to me, I wish I'd spent more time on Twitter or Facebook. None of this is out of the ordinary. All of these things are demands on our time. They all have their place, and it's perfectly human to have one's priorities a bit out of whack. So the wisdom of our faith keeps trying to remind us. In today's reading, the Apostle Paul writes to a group of people who were Christians in the ancient city of Corinth. Now is the time, he says. Now is the time. The problem with his command is that it immediately begs a question. Now is the time for what? And my hunch is that there are as many good answers to that question as there are people sitting in this room today. We all struggle with priorities, but it is a personal struggle. The genius of Paul's language is that he seems to recognize the personal nature of this struggle. And he writes in a way that gives us a chance to be challenged in the way that we each need to be. He tells his own story in a way that invites all of us to think about ours. The backstory to Paul's message is a little sad. Years before he wrote this letter, Paul traveled for the first time to Corinth. It was a challenging place to start a community. Corinth was a transient port city. Many people came from different backgrounds looking for a sense of grounding in a confusing and complicated world. 
Paul started a church there, and it thrived. It became home to a diverse group of searching, faithful people. Despite the challenges of the location, things went well. And knowing that there were other places where his gifts were needed, Paul moved on to other cities with the promise to keep in touch touch with the Corinthians by writing them letters. At some point later on, things started to break down in that church and in their relationship with their founder, Paul. We know this because in this latest letter, in chapter 2 and in chapter 7, Paul mentions a previous letter that he wrote to the Corinthians, and he calls it his letter of tears. By the time Paul writes today's letter, there is deep regret and hurt and suspicion in the relationship between Paul and the people of this church and in their relationships with each other. It's not quite clear how things got so bad. But isn't that the way with our relationships? I imagine some of you might have a relationship in your life marked by brokenness and mistrust and a hesitance to talk. And it's been that way so long you can barely remember how it started. That's the starting point of the passage we heard today. So Paul talks about how difficult it has been. He cites the hard things that have been shared, held in common by the people who have led this church, who have struggled with it, including himself. Some of it sounds quite extreme, imprisonments, beatings. Other things he mentions are common to every single one of us, hardships, sleepless nights. We all know what that's like in the midst of a broken relationship. And Paul says that the only thing that has gotten him through it and helped him to stay on course was the holiness of spirit and genuine love he shared with those people. Paul loved that church. He loved them before, and he loves them still. And so he's writing this letter in a last-ditch effort to save this relationship. He says, now is the time. And he adds this at the end. We have spoken frankly to you, Corinthians, and our heart is wide open to you. There is no restriction in our affections, he says, but only in yours. In return, he asks, open wide your hearts also. Paul is putting himself out there. He knows this relationship is broken, but he's not going to end up regretting that he didn't give it one more chance. So fully expecting rejection, he opens his heart And he asks them if they will do the same thing. He may not get another chance. Now is the time. I imagine this strikes a chord with at least a few of you, for as I said, many of us have broken relationships in our lives. And perhaps we'd like to fix it before it's too late. 
Many of us know some family member or old friend with whom things have become strained or worse, and you fear that if you reached out, it would only lead to more rejection and hurt. Here is where Paul's advice ends. And your wisdom begins. For no one but you knows if making things right is worth the rejection and hurt that you may face. Only you know that. But Paul can't stand the thought of not trying, and he shares this age-old wisdom. Paul puts himself out there. When there is division and hurt, someone always has to take the first step in order for healing to take place. Someone has to put themselves out there. Paul knows that it may work out and that it may not, and he is at peace with that. Paul says it this way, Our heart is wide open to you. Open wide your hearts also. Now is the time. And he is willing to accept whatever comes back. That's one way of reading this text. Of course, all that I'm describing might not be your situation at all. Perhaps the thing on your heart this morning is found beyond the context of you, your friends, your family. Perhaps there is some deep hurt in our neighborhoods, our city, our nation, our world, and it's been nagging at your conscience and working on your soul. And although you know that you have the capacity to do something and the desire to help, you don't ever seem to act on it. The right opportunity does not seem to be there. Now is the time may mean something different for you. This past Thursday night, 22-year-old Victor Hines II was found shot to death in Camp Washington. Little information about the shooting has been released. Sadly, stories like this often get little more than a 30-second news spot. What I can tell you is that Vic Hines was known and loved by Rodney Christian, a friend of our church. Rodney is in charge of the youth programming at Third Presbyterian Church, our partner church in East Westwood. Many of you participate in the men's group there, volunteer for tutoring and mentoring, and have given generously to support their ministries. Rodney is the president of the East Westwood Community Council. He's respected by other leaders and law enforcement in his community. But much more importantly, Rodney's ministry is with some of the most at-risk young men in our city. Rodney has saved a lot of lives. But when you work on the front lines like Rodney does, sometimes there's a life you can't save. I don't know much about Vic Hines. I'm praying for his family. I cannot imagine 
what they must be going through. I do know that in the days just before he died, Vic was in a conversation with Rodney trying to get a new job. And I know that he posted a message to his friends that said, Father Lord, please turn my life around. When Vic was shot, Rodney posted a message of his own. And it said, Lord, point me in the right direction. What else can the church do? Rodney understands God's word to him. Every day after work, now is the time means that it is time for Rodney to get to church and to make life better for young people in his neighborhood. So many young people like Vic die because too many of us don't listen to words like that. We wait until later to ask how we can help, serve, listen, learn, act. There are so many pressing needs in our community. Perhaps what is troubling your heart is something entirely different. Whatever it is, now is the time. I'm sure there are some among you who have not heard a word I've said this morning. It's not that you don't care about these things, the health of your relationships or the pain of other people. It's just that the pain that you are carrying is so deep. It may surprise you, but this is the group to whom Paul is speaking most directly. Paul wrote to the people in his church who were hurting. Paul wrote first to the people in his church who were isolated from each other, from him, and from God. Paul knew he needed to reach out to them because they were not ready to reach out to him or anyone else. There are more people than many of you may realize right here in our congregation who are in just such a place of pain. They have lived good and full lives. They have struggled with their priorities. They have served God and others when they were called upon. But right now, life is hard for them. Perhaps their bodies are failing them and causing them to feel isolated. Perhaps grief or depression has overtaken their lives. Perhaps they are quite elderly and all of their friends have died. People sometimes ask Janet or me a question that is impossible to answer. They say, why am I still here? When will God come and get me? Perhaps, they say, perhaps God has forgotten about me. I pray that they will hear what I have to say now, 
or that maybe someone else here, hearing it, will be able to help me and pass on a message. I have argued today that now is the time to give love to somebody else. Some of us need to hear instead that God still loves us. Perhaps now is the time for you to hear that. Now is the time to receive God's love. To know that your words, your presence, your life are still of value to God, to this church, to the other people who are gathered here to your left and to your right. Whatever the struggle or pain in your life, God loves you still, and our community needs you. You may feel that God has forgotten about you, but look at what Paul is doing. Paul spends his time not on the easy relationships in his life, not with the easy people, but the hard ones. Paul spends time with the people he knows who are the most difficult to reach. Paul does this because this is how God acts. God longs to be not with those who are comfortable, but with those who struggle and suffer. God is present in the relationships that are distant or broken and need help. Sometimes we wonder if God has forgotten about us. Sometimes we fear that if we, will call, we, if we call, no one will listen. When Paul says now is the time, he is making an invitation. What would it look like for you to take a chance and believe in the love that God has for you? To try to hear again that you have value. Here, Paul's words speak most strongly to us. God's heart is wide open to you. Open wide your heart also. As I said, many people who need most to hear this message are not listening. If someone in your life fits this description, share with them that their life is still important to God and to you. Now is the time. I love this book, this Bible. Because of the amazement I feel when I open one of these ancient texts and I see how many different ways it speaks to us today. In all of our different experiences, some of us needing to fix a relationship, others needing a challenge, a push into greater service or sacrifice, some of us just needing a reminder that wherever we are, whatever has come and is gone, a reminder that still we are loved. Now is the time. How is God saying that to you?
Amen.